conductive wire And you were so electric I had no say when you came so near And just passed right through me Hey everyone, welcome to Geekdom is Back, as is Becky Kovach. We're talking all about American Gods Season 2 today. It has been quite some time since we talked about Season 1, so I don't have any recollection of our conversation, Becky, but I had fun watching Season 2. <laughs> yeah, it's been, like you said, a very long time, um, so it was a little bit hard Picking up with season two, I probably should have rewatched the first one because I jumped into season two and was like, I don't remember who anybody is or what's going on or where we left off. So that was fun to figure it out. But um, yeah, it was a really good season. I think the show is really well done in the way that they adapt the book. So, yeah. Yeah, I think... I thankfully remembered most of the characters and there were a few new additions because you had Jillian Anderson who did not come back or Gillian Anderson. I'm not really sure which still, but she did not come back. And so she basically had this sort of replacement, but not exactly the same character, so to speak. It was like a new version of her character almost. Yes. She played media, right? Yeah. So, yeah, so they had, like, the new media, which I thought was kind of, like, it was weird that they changed actresses from one season to the next. But I also thought that it kind of makes sense just for, like, modern times. Yeah, the thing is, with season two, you have almost a two-year gap after season one had aired before this one even finished up. And... There were a lot of production problems, if I'm remembering correctly, because in season one, you had Brian Fuller and Michael Green, who were heavily involved. They wrote the first four episodes, at least, of season one, which was, you know, half of the season. And then they had little to no involvement in season two. So everyone was kind of like, oh, no, what's going to happen? Is it going to be good? And I thought it was still good, despite all of the production issues I had heard about. And the fact that you then have a big name actress in the world of television leaving and sort of just moving on from it. Who knows if that was something that was because of what was going on on the production end or what, or just her availability was no longer there. So I was a little worried going into this season, I have to admit. I didn't even know any of that. So <laughs> um, I didn't really have any of that like preconceived expectations, which I guess works in my favor too, just because I feel like if you go into things with expectations, a lot of times, whatever you're, you're doing, it's not going to meet them. So going into season two, it was more just like me not remembering things. Yeah. So it was almost <laughs> like seeing a lot of this through like fresh eyes, like these characters and the way they're portrayed. Yeah. And you have the fact that this story is quite a bit different from season one. So you have a continuation, but not exactly to the point where you need to remember everything from season one to understand this season, it felt like. Yes, I think that like having seen season one, it, it does give you a little bit of like the background of who the characters are and stuff. And that's very helpful. Yeah. But otherwise, like once you know who the characters are and know what their roles are, 
you can you can kind of watch the second season without having seen the first. I wouldn't recommend that though. Definitely watch both seasons if you have not done yes. so already. And if you haven't <laughs> watched season two for any reason, you should probably stop listening here because we're going to dive into the story. And I think episode by episode is probably the best way to kind of run through this for the two of us because I know we both took notes this way since we yes. knew from our discussion on season one how complicated things could get with this show. Yes, there's a lot of overlapping storylines and a lot of jumping back and forth between like past and present and also something that I found was just like a common thread throughout the season was that it it can be very hard to distinguish what is reality at certain times. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, to jump right in with episode one, they kind of hit you with this sort of reunion almost you're kind of getting all of the characters back together again and there's this diner that just shows off the set design work for this series so well yeah and even before that they they go on the carousel ride which was just like a stunning set in itself Yeah, they do a really good job of just giving you these, you know, beautiful set pieces to look at. And it's almost distracting from the story at times because you get these scenes that are so busy with the set pieces that you're kind of looking around for any Easter eggs or something to give something else away in the story. And you could spend so much time looking at these sets for little things like that. Yeah. I know like one of my favorite things since I was a kid is when I'm watching a movie or a TV show or something, instead of focusing on whatever is clearly meant to be like the center of any particular scene, I love looking at what's around them and what the people around them are doing. So that's something that like I definitely struggled a lot with on this because like you said, the the sets and the pieces that are within the set are so like well done and so beautiful on their own. Yeah, plus they hit you with a death right in episode one. And you're like, oh, okay, that's how this season's going to go, apparently. And, you know, it doesn't seem like Wednesday really cares about a lot of people. But you have this death of Zariah, if I'm even pronouncing Mm -hmm. that correctly. These names kind of get crazy, too. And I'm just like, (laughs) I don't know what's going on here. Yeah, Zariah seems to be one of the few people or I guess gods that Wednesday actually does care about. And that's a relationship that they really established well in the first season was something that upon rewatching season one, that kind of came back to me. Mm -hmm. They they don't wait long to kill somebody. You also have the fact that there's this war brewing between Mr. Wednesday and I guess really Mr. World. It's a little muddy at the start of the season like who is on what side and you have Bilquis, Bilquis. I'm all, oh my goodness. I am so bad at names, Becky, but (laughs) she is kind of playing both sides of the fence for a while until she can decide what she wants to do. Yeah. She doesn't seem to have made up her mind. It feels like she's one of those like characters who's going to wait and see who's going to come out on top and then throw their chips in that basket. So she kind of like goes back and forth. You kind of can't blame her either. I guess not, but also like loyalty, pick a side. That's fair, but I don't know if I would (laughs) trust Mr. Wednesday. (laughs) 
I wouldn't trust Mr. World either, though, is part yeah. of the problem. I think that is a big part of the problem because Mr. Wednesday is known to be a con artist. And then you have Mr. World, who just seems so full of himself, to say the least. And it's just so unappealing. And you're kind of like, eh, I don't really want to be on your side either. Yeah. He also, um, he plays the creepiest characters, that actor in particular. And I think I still will always see him as the creepy guy from like the Charlie's Angels movie. Okay. I have not seen that. Okay. Well, he plays like a very creepy character in that too. So seeing him in this, I still have that in the back of my head. And then the way he portrays Mr. World just kind of adds to it. Got it. It's like slimy. Just like a slimy person. And there are some actors who are just so great at playing those kind of roles. So at least you know it fits with previous roles that he's played. And it's always fun when you make those connections. But, you know, episode two, we see her working more with Mr. World than anyone else. And you can tell she's also just in it for herself Like, she doesn't really want to be caught in the middle, but she wants to know what each side is going to do. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, she's just kind of waiting to see what everybody's plan is. And she is clearly going to pick whichever side she thinks is winning. Mm -hmm. But she's kind of hedging her bets in the meantime. Yeah. What did you think of the flashback scene in episode two where they show us that Shadow met Mr. Wednesday? before all of this stuff happened without even realizing it? Uh, I really enjoyed the flashbacks to Shadow's childhood and learning more about him and his relationship with his mother and hearing her kind of talk about like how he has to behave and how he has to kind of like hold himself. Mm -hmm. Um, It also like, was an episode that felt very relevant to modern times yes because um shadow is attacked by these other kids because they're they think he's too white they they say that he's like a white kid and he's like i'm not though and it just was like it 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 was touching upon like racial issues and it was just something that like watching that in today's world it just felt very like real yeah and Because this season came out last year, while it was still relevant, I think just the fact that you and I chose to watch this this year instead of watching it (laughs) relatively closer to when it came out, it was one of those things where it's just kind of strange to see how something from a year ago could be even more relevant in the present day. Yeah, which is like a really... Like, it's a good point to the show. Um, it Like, it aged well yeah. in that respect. Oh, yeah. And I think we're supposed to get another new season this year, but I suppose that depends on whether or not production had wrapped up prior to COVID hitting because we're still, you know, sort of in the thick of that because reasons, I guess. And, you know, <laughs> I will be curious to see if you and I managed to watch season three faster than we did season one or season two. I'm going to say yes. Having just seen season two, I'm like, okay, I'm ready for season three. Bring it on. Yeah. And this is a show that probably has a shelf life of, you know, three or four seasons, give or take, based on 
the book and whether or not they choose to go beyond that, you know, at this point, I know you and I talked about the book, but I don't remember exact details from the book because that was even longer ago. I think we did that first and then started diving into the show. But you get the sense with this season that they really wanted to just keep pushing the story and they wanted to fill in information with these flashbacks, especially in episode two. And I like when they don't force information upon you, like you don't have Shadow giving this whole monologue about how he was bullied when he was a kid. Instead, they show it to you. And that flashback has a purpose. It's when he meets Mr. Wednesday for the first time without realizing it. So they're not just throwing this information in to throw it in. It has a purpose. And that's when I don't mind flashbacks quite as much. Yeah, same. And I think, if I remember correctly, when they released season one, they said that they were going to do the book in three seasons. Okay. So I think the next season might be the last one. So it makes sense that they're like the pacing of this season kind of makes sense in that respect because we do feel it kind of building towards like the conflict, the war between the old gods and the new gods. Yeah. And they do a very nice job building up to that. And with the third episode, one, I was very sad that Mr. Wednesday destroyed an entire library of stuff. It really hurt me. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was sad to watch. But it does introduce new media and we see Laura getting all patched up because we know she's very dead. Now she's very undead and kind of like falling apart. Sally from A Nightmare Before Christmas almost. Yeah, she's kind of falling apart at the seams and kind of rotting as well. Something there's something wrong with Sweeney, uh, Mad Sweeney's coin that it's like not enough for her to mm-hmm. maintain whatever kind of life that she has. Yeah, and it's so great how they do the imagery for that because obviously you know there's some CGI and whatnot because they literally like pull off her arm and she's just kind of holding her arm but it really felt like something from a nightmare before christmas when she's taken and you know they start patching her up and you really just get a sense that you can tell where some influences come from when you get into you know neil gaiman's work stephen king's work you can see these prior influences trickling their way into these stories. And I don't remember if this was exactly that way in the book, but seeing it on screen, you're like, oh, I can make this correlation now. Yeah, absolutely. Something that we haven't really touched on yet within these first couple episodes is the fact that Shadow is also kidnapped. (laughs) He's taken in episode two. And the only reason that Laura is putting up with Mr. Wednesday through two and three is because she just wants to find Shadow. She's like kind of fixated on him. Well, I know I wasn't super fond of how Laura and Shadow's relationship was kind of playing out in season one. And I'm still not a fan of the nickname Puppy, you know, (laughs) no, no, kind of weird for a man who is that large and does not look like a puppy at all, in my opinion. No, it's definitely a weird nickname. And it kind of just shows how she feels about him and the respect that like she definitely thinks that she can 
control him. And he's just going to follow her around like a lost little puppy, which like in season one, I think that was definitely kind of true, especially seeing like flashbacks to how their relationship started. But in season two, I think we're kind of moving further and further away from that image of Shadow. Absolutely. In episode three, we see Shadow hitch a ride. And then once we roll into episode four, Mr. Wednesday gives him an out, but he still sticks with him. So you're kind of like, oh boy, Shadow is going to stick with Mr. Wednesday and he's going to have to suffer these consequences. And he really does because then everyone ends up being after him as the season progresses. You know, the FBI and all of this crazy stuff is going on. But episode four does give you that face-to-face moment with Mr. Wednesday and Mr. World. And I think because that's, you know, closing out of the first half of the season, they had to do something attention-grabbing. Yeah, and I think they had, it was Money who brings Mr. World to Wednesday. And, like, the the whole portrayal of Money, I thought, was very funny Um, and kind of some much-needed comic relief within the season. Yeah, and in episode four, too, you see what it's like for someone to be on Mr. World's bad side when Technical Boy screws up, and you're just kind of like, oh, okay, this is a guy we actually need to be worried about. Yes, it kind of, yeah, it it shows you just, like, how quickly his opinion of somebody can change. Yeah, so first half of the season is really feeling like the story is getting going again. You know, because of having such a long break in between seasons, it's not like it came out, you know, three years in a row for these three seasons. It was four by chance, which leaves this sort of awkward gap between seasons one and two. So they kind of had to reintroduce you to what's going on. And I think because they give you that sort of reunion in episode one, they're getting you back into the groove of being with these characters. And then you're figuring out what exactly is going on over the next few episodes. And once you get that face to face with Mr. Wednesday and Mr. World, you're kind of like, okay, things are going to really ramp up in the second half of this season. Yeah. Like you said earlier, the pacing is just, it very much feels like it is moving quicker and quicker towards this main conflict that we know is kind of building up within the series. Yeah. And episode five, you have people going their separate ways, you know, Mad Sweeney and Laura go to New Orleans. Shadow's learning about the events that happened in Cairo. He's also still affected by this brutal death that he experienced, not himself, obviously, but he is still being impacted by things that happened years prior. And you get all of this emotion building up in the second half of the season two. And because of how much of the story with American Gods is kind of blurred between what the gods can do and sort of this fantasy magic element to where you don't really know what's going on sometimes. And when you get those scenes in New Orleans with Mad Sweeney and Laura, and you have all this madness going on around them, you're kind of like, wait, did that actually happen? Like, what's going on here? 
Yeah. And this was another instance where I was kind of not sure like what was reality and what was just kind of in somebody's head. Like when they go see the, the voodoo man and Laura and Sweeney kind of have an intimate relationship, like it was kind of moving in that direction anyway. Like you can start to kind of get the sense that Sweeney has feelings for Laura, but I still walked away from that episode, like not really being sure if that was real or not. Um, and same thing with like Shadow seeing this violent death of somebody he'd never even met. And this was another episode where it just felt very relevant to what's going on in the world right now, just in terms of like racism and race relations and, and things like that. So it was a lot of just like not knowing what was real and what wasn't. Yeah, there's a lot of heavy moments throughout this season. And I think then when you're trying to figure out what's real and what's not, it sort of impacts that emotion, not necessarily in a negative way, but then there's just sort of this uncertainty surrounding a lot of things. And then you have this whole burlesque show in the next episode that is just so bizarre. And, you know, Mr. Wednesday is kind of at the center and the forefront of it. And you're like, okay, this has to be in someone's head, right? Yes. Um, I really liked episode six and the flashbacks to Wednesday's past and learning more about him and his relationship with his son and what happened to his son. Um, because I think it does tell us a lot more about why he acts the way he does like in the modern day. Yeah, absolutely. And because he's a god, you know, all of these characters with these insane powers are based on various gods and goddesses. And while my history lesson of the gods and goddesses is not very strong, it really feels like that episode gave you a sense of who Mr. Wednesday is as a god, as a father, and just in general. Yeah. And it's not great because we see him essentially trying to control his son Thor's life. Thor wants to run away and start a new life with the woman that he loves. And Wednesday lies to both of them to put a stop to it and to get Thor to do what he wants. And as a result, Thor takes his own life. Yeah, this is not your Marvel Thor by any means. No. I mean, when you think of the gods, you think of them as being practically immortal. Um, obviously, we saw Zariah die earlier in the season so they can die but it kind of just drives home the fact that like these gods are in danger they can be killed so this war is more crucial than ever and not only does episode six tell you more about mr wednesday but it gives you this object that you need to focus on in his spear because he needs that and we see what happens to that specific object and while everything else I think is more important as far as background information, that spear is the one thing that they're banking on, it seems like. Yes. Um, and the story of them fixing the spear also does provide some more comic relief from those very heavy moments. Um, them just like tricking the guy in the shop into giving them Lou Reed's jacket of all things. Uh, to trade the dwarves so that the dwarves will fix the spear. Yeah, that was a pretty funny moment. And 
so now that we have seen more of Shadow's background, we've seen more of Mr. Wednesday's background, and then episode seven gives us more of Mad Sweeney's background. It feels like this season is the season where they were like, okay, this is the part of the story where we can go back and revisit these characters' lives before we even met them in season one and give you some more context to why they are the way they are. So I think the character work that they did in season two was probably a little better than season one, even though I might have liked season one a little more as a whole. Okay. Why do you think you like season one better? I think because of Shadow's journey, it seemed like he was going through a lot more personally in that season. And while he's still going through a lot of things here, he kind of doesn't really have as much tension between him and Laura. It still exists, but because they spend more time apart here, you kind of just have him doing his own thing. Okay. See, and that's what kind of why I like season two better because I don't necessarily love the dynamic between Shadow and Laura. So the fact that they spend so much more time apart, I think allowed Shadow to kind of come into his own as a character. That's totally fair because I'm also not a huge fan of their relationship, but I think because of that tension they had in season one, it gave him more of a reason to do all of the things he did in season one and just how they built up everything between him and Mr. Wednesday in season one. And I don't know if that's maybe because I have personally previously enjoyed stuff that Brian Fuller worked on, like Hannibal, which was an amazing show, like start to finish, in my opinion. And then, you know, with all of the production issues, I don't know if maybe that like tampered my expectations for season two. It's possible. But I still did like this season, just so we're clear. I think it did a lot of interesting things. And I think at times it might have been a little harder to follow along because of the flashbacks being somewhat more frequent, I think, in this. I don't know if we got a ton of flashbacks in season one, but like I said, in episode seven, we get the Mad Sweeney one. And I think this might have been my least favorite of the flashbacks because it was just so bizarre. Yeah, I my thing is, I think Mad Sweeney is probably my favorite character in the series, which is very sad for me. But um, (laughs) so I, I kind of enjoyed getting to see where he came from and how he ended up where he did and what his relationship with Mr. Wednesday through the years actually was. Um, I think it also just kind of helped to have that background just because I was not really familiar with who he's supposed to be as a God. So at least having that like history and like, like his personal history, at least having that kind of helped a little bit with figuring out like his role in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, so obviously this episode, while the flashback might have been great for you, maybe the rest of it, not so much, because this is where we get Sweeney's death. And I do think Mad Sweeney was the biggest part of a lot of the comic relief in season one. And in this season, he felt a little sidelined at times because it was clear that Mr. Wednesday didn't want anything to do with him, which I think was a little unfortunate. Not as unfortunate as the character's death, of course, though. 
Yeah. It, it does kind of feel that way, especially like he goes off to New Orleans on his own before Laura goes down to find him and he doesn't have his coin anymore. So his luck has turned really, really poor, which is that kind of comedy within the series. So he, he doesn't have as big of a role in this season, I don't think. But yeah, he was, he was, I don't know, I, he was still just my favorite character. I mean, he's a leprechaun, so of course there's going to be some comedic relief no matter what he does. Especially because he's a really tall leprechaun. <laughs> yeah, he, he's defying our expectations of leprechauns. Yeah, but I think his death was like a very emotional moment within this season. Both because Shadow, like Shadow didn't mean to kill him. That was completely an accident. And I think that has an effect on Shadow. Um, But also because we just kind of realized that Sweeney might have feelings for Laura and seeing his past and how tragic his background is to have him just kind of killed, not even in a battle, but just an accident. It doesn't seem like a fair end for him. Yeah, it really doesn't. And to have that be the penultimate episode of the season, you're just kind of like, okay, well, they killed off this character that we like. What on earth are they going to do with the finale? Yeah, it was was quite the buildup to the final episode of the season. Yeah, so there's so much to unpack with this finale, because in the penultimate episode, we see that Laura goes back to Mama G's diner, And she's a new character for season two, and I really liked her character. And she's this waitress at a motel, but then there's like this diner where they all are at the beginning of the season. And then, you know, it kind of comes full circle towards the end of the season. And we see at least Laura and some other people back there again. And she's the Hindu goddess of death and liberation. And you really just get the sense that she kind of wants to be left out of everything. And I love how adamant she is like, no, you know what? Maybe I want to be a waitress. I don't care if I'm a goddess. Yeah. She's kind of found a place in the modern day where she can still get like what she needs in order to survive, which is something that I think a lot of the older gods are struggling with and why they're getting weaker and weaker because they haven't adapted with the times and they haven't found a way to fit in in the modern world. Yeah. And we brought up the whole puppy nickname earlier. And then the finale gives us the origin of how that nickname started. And you know what? I didn't really care because I still don't like it. (laughs) Absolutely not. Still not my favorite. But I do like that Shadow finally just stands up for himself and tells her to stop calling him puppy. Yes, that was nice. It it definitely shows a lot about how far Shadow has come in the first two seasons because he went from really just following her like a puppy everywhere to, like you said, standing up for himself and telling her that he's kind of had enough. Yeah, and then you have new media basically trying to destroy his life along with Mr. Wednesdays. They're wanted literally everywhere. And honestly, Shadow has such a distinct look that I'm surprised a fake ID worked for him. Yeah, it it doesn't seem very realistic, which I know is kind of strange to say about a show that is literally the least realistic thing you've ever watched. But (laughs) yeah, it doesn't make sense that a fake ID would work for him, um, especially when new media is trying to just kind of take him down. 
and has his picture plastered like everywhere. Yeah, and it does a very good job of showing just how skilled new media is. And I don't think that's to say anything bad about media from season one, but new media seems to just take things to a whole new level because of the social media aspect and the way that she kind of travels through technology. And you get a sense that she's honestly even more threatening. Yes, absolutely. And she doesn't really have like any, I I don't know if I want to say morals, but like there's nothing that she adheres to in terms of like, this is going too far. And I think that that's something that is kind of a commentary on where the world is at today in terms of like our media consumption and social media networks and how people just kind of take things too far. And it's all it's too much. We're overwhelmed and overstimulated with media now. Oh, absolutely. I'm constantly like, how many shows do I have to catch up on? How many movies have I missed out on? What do I need to watch? What do I need to consume? And having this podcast obviously gives me a semi-decent excuse to do all of those things and consume a bunch of things. But at the same time, it is so much information overload and you're kind of like okay yes we have a bunch of streaming services now but then you probably spend almost just as much time trying to find something to watch Mm -hmm. as you do actually watching whatever you pick to watch yes it's so much I have like a running list of all of the things that I have watched over the last what is it four months of quarantine and Even just like scrolling through that list, I'm like, what am I doing with my life? We're mostly just playing Animal Crossing. Yes, my 400 plus hours of Animal Crossing is in there somewhere. I haven't even looked. I don't think I have quite that many. I've tried to like keep it to less than 30 minutes a day. So (laughs) if I even play every day. That's the smart thing to do. My roommate, I think, is at like 900. So I feel a little bit better about my own playtime. (laughs) Yeah, but I think the biggest bombshell that they drop in this episode is the fact that Mr. Wednesday might be Shadow's father. Did you catch that? Yes. And it kind of makes sense as you look back through the earlier episodes, just because Shadow keeps pushing Mr. Wednesday to tell him, like, why me? Why did you pick me? And Mr. Wednesday just keeps insisting, like, I needed somebody who was disposable who didn't matter. But clearly that's not true because he also tells Shadow, like, you have a really big role in all of this. And then Shadow's fortune also, I believe, said something like, like father, like son. So that all kind of just like ties together. And when they kind of make this like suggestion that Mr. Wednesday is Shadow's father, you're like, oh, yes, I get it. Everything makes so much more sense now. Yes. Yeah, so is there anything else you want to touch on in regards to the story for season two? Because I felt like this was such a big ending. I almost don't know exactly how they're going to kick off season three. Yeah, I, I it'll be interesting to see where the first episode of season three, like where it starts and how it starts. Just because with season two, we kind of leave off Shadow is kind of on the run. Laura has run off with Sweeney's body 
And I, I have like, I have my notes up that I wrote while I was watching. And the last thing that I wrote was just, where does this leave us with the impending battle? Because everyone's kind of gone off in their own direction. Yeah. And you know what? We didn't even really talk about some of the characters in this. And Mr. Ibis, Ibis becomes a main character in season two. And he's sort of this keeper of past and present stories. And you get this sense that he's just so sophisticated in comparison to almost everyone else on this show. Yeah, which is funny because he's the one who deals with dead bodies all day long. Yeah, and then you have Mr. Nancy, who is a tailor, and, you know, like I said, some weird stuff happened with season two because Orlando Jones, who plays Mr. Nancy, was actually fired from the show during season two. So you you see a lot of his character, but then towards the end, you're kind of like, oh, okay, and you have Salim who comes back, and I'm not really sure what role exactly he plays he's kind of just always there he's kind of like a puppy with the gin yeah like he follows the gin wherever he goes they're in love they're in a relationship and he stays behind when things start to go wrong and new media starts going after everybody um because he wants to stay with the gin but yeah he doesn't really serve and you can tell he's not exactly wanted though <laughs> no which makes me sad. I like Celine. Yeah. He's like this very endearing character when almost everyone else is very unlikable in this. Yes. And I think part of it has to do with the fact that he's just so like, not oblivious, but, and not innocent either, but he just doesn't realize the extent of the world in which he has kind of ingratiated himself. Yeah, so I know we didn't dive deep into all of the characters in season two, but really, most of the story has been about Mr. Wednesday and Shadow. So they're the two that a lot of the story is going to focus on. And with Mad Sweeney possibly out of the picture for season three, it's unclear because Laura came back. So maybe he can too. Right. And the sense that I got was that she's taking his body to find a way to bring him back. Yeah. Which I could be wrong, but that was just like, why else would she have taken his body? Especially when she claims to not like him so much. Right. I don't know. They kind of go off on their own adventures a lot in this season. And I kind of, like, I don't like her relationship with Shadow, but I grew to really like the relationship between her and Sweeney. Yeah, that was definitely an interesting B plot for this season because it's not the main focus, but it's something you end up focusing on just because those two characters feel more compelling together than her and Shadow ever did. Right. And Sweeney takes Laura to go look for Shadow when he's kidnapped, and then he tries to convince her to come with him to New Orleans to like fix whatever is wrong with her. He claims to get his luck back because she still has his coin, but I think that there's more to it than that. Yeah, it'll be very interesting to see what happens in season three, because with the Orlando Jones and Mr. Nancy thing, he claims one thing, and then a spokesperson said that his contract just wasn't renewed because the character isn't 
in the part of the book that the season three episodes are based on. And I looked at the titles for the season three episodes because they already have those up on Wikipedia. And you can't really get a sense of what's going to happen because it's like vague kind of stuff. A Winter's Tale is the first episode. Oh. Fire and Ice is one of the episodes. And All right. What is this, Game of Thrones? I know. That's, that was the feeling I got. And I've never even seen Game of Thrones. I was like, this feels very Game of Thrones-esque here. And it's like, conscious of the king. And like, Oh, God. I honestly didn't even realize all of the stuff with Orlando Jones. So now I am very curious as to how that will affect season three. Because I don't remember. I ha- it's been so long since I've read the book. I don't remember if he makes an appearance in the last third of the book or not. Yeah. Part of me wants to reread the book, but because of all the Stephen King reading I do for Chat Cemetery, <laughs> I'm just like, I cannot take on a Neil Gaiman book right now. I, yeah, I told myself I was going to read more this year, and then quarantine happened, and I just haven't had the motivation to read. So I am just now starting to get back into reading, and I'm starting off slow and with something easy. And I know that Neil Gaiman books tend to be kind of not super dense, not like Stephen King dense, but they are the kind of books that like you do want to take your time reading. So I don't know that I will be getting to American Gods again anytime soon, but if I'm feeling inspired, I might. Good to know. Well, is there anything else you want to talk about before we wrap up here? No, I think that kind of covers all of the the main points. And like you said, we didn't talk super in depth about some of the characters, but they also weren't really the main focus of this season. So I think that's okay. Yeah. And you mentioned you like this season a little better. I still like season one a little better. And I do think some of that has to do with the cast members from season one who did not appear in season two. Like you had this big grand performance from Kristen Chenoweth in season one, and you don't really get the same kind of equivalent in season two. And then, like I said, media versus new media. While I like the actress better in season one, I understand why they made that change and sort of had new media come in because it made sense for this particular storyline. Yeah, agreed. Awesome. Well, Becky, I know you will be back for something else before we (laughs) eventually get American Gods season three done. But it's been fun chatting about this season with you. So thank you for coming on to do that. Yeah, it's my pleasure. I am very excited for season three and to see how they kind of wrap things up if this is the last season. Like I said, I think I remember them saying it was only going to be three, but I don't don't remember it's been a very long time since the first season came out yeah i don't know it's kind of been a wild ride for this show behind the scenes so i'll probably dive into it a little more and see what's what and if there have been any other major casting changes aside from orlando jones yeah awesome well i will talk to you again soon yes absolutely 
All right, everyone, that does it for this episode of Welcome to Geekdom. If you want to support the podcast, you can do so through our Patreon. You can sign up for a dollar a month. That'll get you a thank you on the show. $2 a month, you get to pick a topic that myself and a guest will discuss on the show. For $5 a month, you can join the Welcome to Geekdom Slack group, where you can talk to myself and various guests who have been on the show. If you want to follow us on socials, you can do so at GeekdomPod on Twitter and at Welcome to Geekdom on Instagram and Facebook. If you feel inclined, please do give us a review on iTunes, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen. It really does help the show. And as always, thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoy the rest of your day.